Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today we're going to be talking about spiritual practice for crazy times, and that's very appropriate for this year, don't you think? Philip Goldberg is our guest today, here to talk about his latest book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, Powerful Tools to Cultivate Calm, Clarity, and Courage. And this is definitely the year for it. We're all hoping for an end to the pandemic in the next six to eight months through the power of vaccines, but it's currently surging, and there's widespread anxiety and depression regarding that that and the racial problems and the ongoing political divide despite the change in leadership, and the economic concerns that continue to rise and may worship it, worsen if leadership does not intervene, and the political disaster, or excuse me, potential for disaster if we do not address the climate change issue. These are potentially transformative times, but we're still in the chaos stage of such change. Goldberg's intervention is to offer us the sanctuary of the self and to teach us how to access it. So stay here for it. You don't want to miss this. Let me tell you a little bit about Phil Goldberg. He's been studying the world's spiritual traditions for more than 50 years as a practitioner, teacher, and author. An interfaith minister, public speaker, and workshop leader, his numerous books include the award-winning Road Signs on the Spiritual Path, American Veda, from Emerson and the Beatles to Yoga and Meditation, How Indian Spirituality Changed the West, The Life of Yogananda, the story of the yogi who became the first modern guru, and his latest, and our topic for today, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. He blogs on Elephant Journal and Spirituality and Health, co-hosts the popular Spirit Matters podcast, and leads American Veda tours to India. His website is www.philipgoldberg.com. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G.com. Welcome, Phil, to the Authentic Living Show. We're so excited to talk about this topic today. We need some calm and courage. Thank you, Andrea. It's great to be with you, and thanks for the kind introduction. Oh, you're so welcome, so deservedly. Uh, yes, you absolutely deserve that. So let's just jump right in here. Tell, tell us why you decided to write this book. Well, um, I keep being complimented for my impeccable timing bringing out a book <laughs> like this in the heart of a pandemic, but the truth is I conceived of it um, last year in the spring of 2019 and we fin- finished the book finished the editing and everything just when the pandemic hit and wow. uh, we decided um not to change anything except to add a paragraph um and uh which is instructive because even a year ago or more now a year and a half ago it felt like we were living in crazy times. Mm-hmm. People were anxious. People were afraid. People were angry. People were overwhelmed uh, just by the circumstances pre-pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, of course, crazy became even crazier. And adapting to it and finding uh, some uh, relief 
in the midst of it all just became in, in, in many ways harder, but in some ways easier for, for people who are fortunate enough to be able to shelter in place and minimize social contact without becoming destitute and, you know, not being able to feed themselves or their families, they have more opportunity, perhaps, to uh, do some of the practices that I recommend in the book. But the point, larger point, is that times can be crazy any time. I mean, we could be through with the pandemic and seem to have a peaceful and prosperous uh, world, or at least uh, society, um, and yet in any of our individual lives, things can happen. They happen all the time. So uh, I feel like while I'm addressing a particular moment in history, the, the practices I've drawn from, the teachings I've drawn from, are perennial they they're very old some are new but they apply to human life whenever uh things get a little upset yeah absolutely yeah well i i do congratulate you on your impeccable timing because the the, the book as i was reading it it was uh it, it really does uh indicate that circumstances are not the um source of our peace. And I think that's really brought out very well in this book. Yes. Um, the, one of the core premises of the book, and, and I take that from all the world's spiritual traditions, is that we have within us, at the core of our being, the, our true nature, you could say, our true self, uh, is... Uh, a kind of sanctuary of peace, a place of stillness, a place of refuge, a place of calm, contentment. This is our nature. It's our birthright. We have it within us. It gets overshadowed by our habits, our uh, uh, the events of that of the world, our uh, usual focus on our outer circumstances and problem-solving and ambition and desire and all the rest. But inward, that inward direction of attention can bring us to that sanctuary of peace at any time. And cultivating that, cultivating the habit of nestling in that sanctuary and of bringing the qualities of peace and uh, contentment and clarity and compassion outward into our lives is the focus of the book. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, we've also lived over the past four years in particular, but prior to that also, we've, we've been through times when we have really been concerned about what was happening and the decisions that were being made in leadership, and we wanted to do something about it. And, uh, and, and, and there are some people who would tell us that that's antithetical to spirituality. So yes. let's talk about activism and spirituality. Are they compatible? Well, they certainly should be and have been throughout history for certain people. 
some of the people we admire most for their impact on the larger world were deeply spiritual people. You know, people like Martin Luther King come to mind and Mahatma Gandhi, but also, you know, other people, the, the founding fathers of America, many of them were very deeply spiritual in their own way. Abraham Lincoln certainly was. And in every culture you find, you know, heroes, uh, legends, people of, uh, who, who make history, the great rulers, the great um, peace builders, nation builders. Many of them are deeply grounded in spirituality. There's a notion that spirituality uh, leads to escapism or, you know, otherworldly, impractical, head-in-the-clouds kind of thing. And there's some reason to think that because some people, you know, are oriented that way or some people are monastics or renunciates, reclusive people. But most people living in the world, we have deep uh, worldly concerns and responsibilities. And we also, for many of us, are very conscious of wanting to cultivate the inner dimension, the spiritual aspect of life. And there's, there's not only no incompatibility between uh, deep spiritual life and social responsibility and family responsibility and all that, I think they complement one another and that sanctuary of peace that I talked about is also a foundation for dynamic action. It's a platform from which to act. And this is also consistent with all the spiritual teachings, you know, with perhaps the exception of those that are aimed at the monastics of the world. But those are a very tiny minority. But the spiritual teachings for ordinary people, people with families, people with jobs and so forth, um, spirituality is very practical. We can use that inner peace that we get from spiritual practice and the compassion and the capacity for love and uh, clarity of mind that comes from these practices, we can direct them uh, in ways that serve us and our families and our communities and for those who are called to being of service in the world. um, It makes us better servants. It makes us, you know, less egotistical, less selfish, less greedy, more more generous, more kind. Um, and so, uh, to me, the reason I wrote Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times is not just to give people, you know, this refuge of, of inner peace and calm, but also to encourage Uh, people to be engaged in the world and make it a little less crazy. The world needs people of goodwill and compassion and kindness to be engaged as much as possible. Uh, Why leave it to the corrupt and the greedy and the, you know, (laughs) ill-informed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good point. So what would you say is the purpose of spiritual practice then? I think it's it's 
twofold. One is, well, there's different aspects of spiritual practice that I cover in the, you know, most of the book. There's cultivating a regular spiritual practice, something you do hopefully every day, a deep meditative kind of practice that takes you to that sanctuary of peace as a preparation for your day. If you do it in the morning, some people do it twice a day. And that kind of regularity uh, has been found to uh, enable people to cultivate the, the, the best qualities of uh, inner, uh, inner calm and inner peace, clarity of mind, uh, open-heartedness, and so forth. Uh, it, 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 it sticks with you to a certain degree, and the more you do it, the more it becomes uh, the, the sort of inner foundation of your life. The other aspect of it is to have an inventory or a repertoire of practices to call upon as you need them when things, when when upsetting things happen, when you're under pressure, when uh, a crisis comes about, uh, or when you're just feeling overwhelmed or exhausted or upset or angry. There's, you know, a whole battery of methods to draw upon many of which come directly from spiritual traditions, some of which uh, I drew from uh, modern psychological research uh, that has uh, studied some of these traditional methods and, so, and adapted them in, in uh, ways that improve uh, the, the brain and the nervous system and so forth. So having both a regular practice that suits you, and a repertoire of practices to draw upon as you need them, uh, especially in crazy times like ours. Um, people are anxious. People are worried. You know, we're recording this just as the vaccine is about to be uh, distributed, but it's going to be quite a while before anybody feels safe truly safe from the, the pandemic. And as you said in your setup to the, to the uh, interview, there's a lot of other crazy things going on in addition to the pandemic, and that's not going to stop overnight. So we need, you know, as much of a, um, an arsenal to, to fight back as we can get. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, we just have a few more minutes before the break, but I want to ask quickly, why did you choose the exercises that require less effort than the more stringent exercise that, for example, tell us to intensely concentrate on something? Yeah, that, um, uh, well, we can come back to it after the break if you want, but I, I am a very... Uh, uh, a strong proponent of meditative practices. And in my experience, and the research bears this out, there is a, there's a range of practices that are called meditation or mindfulness. And we have to be discerning about which we choose to practice. 
And one way of looking at it is some practices require a great deal of effort or mind control, uh, concentration, focus, um, and others are more effortless, more relaxing, less doing, and more just being. Those practices, um, I find not only safer um, and, and cause you know, fewer complications like strain and headaches, but are also uh, far more calming and relaxing, especially if you want to practice to do on your own in your home when you do it instead of you know, requiring a teacher or a group every time you want to do your practice. And, and, and those methods that are less stringent, that require less control and effort, uh, tend to bring the system into a state of deep rest, calm, and, and at the same time alertness than the methods that require rigorous uh, effort. Hence, I favor them and, yes. and instruct the, the reader uh, to how to do them. Yeah, good. I'm glad you said that because um, uh, one of the things that I talk to people about when I'm, I'm um, encouraging meditation is to not try to, you know, uh, push it to be a certain special way of doing it, like the focused concentration or you know, not necessarily even having to sit in a certain position or that kind of stuff. So when, we, when we're talking about meditation, I, I really strongly agree, and I really appreciated that in the book. So we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be back in just a few more minutes with more from Philip Goldberg. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. 
Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Philip Goldberg about his latest book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, Powerful Tools to Cultivate Calm, Clarity, and Courage. And we're going to go a little deeper now uh, to this in the second segment. Uh, you talked about something called the silence in the gap, and I, I just uh, uh, love that, uh, mm. that view of it. And I wanted to know what you mean by that, and how does this silence benefit us? Well, we talked earlier about what I've been calling, what I called in the book, spiritual um, sanctuary of peace within us. This is our true nature. Uh, You know, beyond our active, busy minds, beyond our changing personality, beyond our changing bodies, uh, what some people might call our soul is an eternal, infinite uh, <laughs> aspect of the universe that we are part of. And sometimes in our lives, especially if we have an ongoing meditation practice, we might experience what you accurately called a gap where there's no thought or no and no feeling nothing we're attending to but we're awake inside a moment uh, a flash however you know extended or non-extended it may be where we notice we're just conscious, and we're not conscious of anything. We're not engaged and doing and thinking and feeling. There's just a moment, a gap. That's a glimpse into this true self, the, the unchanging, eternal nature of what we truly are. And, and I, I call attention to it in spiritual practice for crazy times because if people have a regular spiritual practice, especially one that's a deep one, uh, that brings them into this sense of calm and stillness, they might experience this. They might notice it happening and not know what it is and maybe even think there's something wrong with them (laughs) for... Uh, you know, having this sense of stillness, either by itself or even in the midst of 
being engaged in doing something. You're sort of this part of you that is, in a sense, witnessing or observing the thoughts going on in the mind, the feelings that come up, the, the motion and movement of the body, something that you call I that's not just, that doesn't change in the midst of all this. And sometimes you become aware of it. And this is a sign of spiritual progress because you're just becoming more acquainted with that deepest part of yourself. So I, I, I found it useful to, to call attention to it in the book. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I, I, I have experienced that myself and I, I, periods where it almost feels like you can't move, it's so still. Um, mm-hmm. and, yes, and it's just a beautiful and it, experience. And it's, it's, it's verification. You know, I, I take a very practical approach to spirituality. I mean, your, your show is called Authentic Living. And to me, uh, spirituality is part of that. You, be, you start to live more authentically, more in tune with your true self when you engage in, in uh, effective spiritual practices. And the foundation of all that is becoming uh, more aware of and more in tune with your deepest self. Yep. And so, hence, uh, you might notice <laughs> that there is this eternally still, open, vast sense of consciousness or awareness that underlies all of our changing experience. And this is a glimpse into the true self and verification that these spiritual practices work. Yep, absolutely. So you've you've talked a lot about the sanctuary of peace. I, I noticed also in the book you used the term sanctuary of the self. Um, yeah. Since this is all about this show is all about the authentic self. I want to hear a little bit more about your description or the definition of the self. You know, I know we're talking about a self with a capital S, and then there's yeah. also the self with a small s. So yeah. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Different size s's. Yes. <laughs> Well, usually when we think of the self, we think of our individual personality. We think of me, the, 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 the individual we call I. But, uh, and that's, you know, when, when you refer to authentic self, I think your, your listeners mostly will think, I want to be true to my own individual nature, my own individual personality, uh, what I'm called to be in this life, what makes me most fulfilled and most happy and most satisfied. And that's one definition of, of the authentic self. The other is, as you said, capital S self, which is the self we all share this infinite, eternal uh, being that is the foundation of the universe. That is what some traditions will call God and others uh, spirit or whatever name it goes by. But our true spiritual nature is, e- is eternal and it's bigger 
than the, our personality and our um, body. Uh, as Walt Whitman, the, you know, the great American poet, said, I am not contained between my hat and my boots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His, his true self was bigger than that. And, and we can get glimpses of that big self and uh, start to experience it more through spiritual practice. But it also, in a sense, feeds and nourishes and cultivates the self that we think of as our individuality. When we are in tune with our large self, the big S self, the soul, um, it infuses our personality with more authenticity, and and we're more in tune intuitively with what's right for us, what's real for us, what's best for us, and so that's one of the reasons I always hold um, deep spiritual practice to be very practical because it's not just it doesn't negate our personality. And this, you know, embodied individual that you call Andrea and I call Phil, but it nourishes that. It's like going, it's like a plant that is being nourished by, you know, water and good soil. It grows more uh, productively, more effectively, more efficiently, and that deep self, that eternal self, is the source of, uh, of nourishment for all of the individual selves. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. That, that's a wonderful um, way of explaining the differences between those two. And thank you so much for that. I'm sure our listening audience benefited from that. So you quote Swami Vivekananda as saying, we should never try to follow another's path, for that is his way, not yours. So what do you think that does for religion in general? That's a very interesting and big topic, Andrea. You know, um, you mentioned my earlier books, one of which was called American Veda, which covered the whole history of how the teachings from the East, from India, uh, came to America and uh, affected uh, millions of lives and over the course of a couple hundred years and uh, changed the spiritual landscape of the country. One of the uh, contributions that this um, opening up of our sources of spiritual wisdom has brought to us is an appreciation of a, of a very core ancient teaching from India, from the yogis, which is that every one of us has our own spiritual destiny, our own spiritual path that we must follow. And, and everybody's on a spiritual path, whether they're conscious of it or not is the issue. Those of us who are conscious of our spiritual lives and want to cultivate it and see it as an, you know, key to growth and fulfillment and happiness, we have to follow our own way and do the practices that work for us, follow the teachers that guide us in the 
most uh, efficient and effective way and authentic way and uh, follow the traditions that uh, resonate with us, ask the right questions, adjust along the way, do a little less of this and a little more of that. There's an appreciation for the individual path that many organized religions, especially in the West, um, have resisted at times and tried to make everything, you know, that there's only one way and only if you believe this and only if you belong to this group and swear allegiance to this uh, tradition will you be uh, spiritually fulfilled. And that's unfortunate because we all are individual. I mean, you can go to any church, any mosque, any synagogue, and the people in there will be they they seem to all be on the same path if they're dedicated to that that place, that preacher or that uh, uh, tradition. But every individual is different, and they'll have their own questions and their own uh, pattern of development, and their needs will change. Their uh, Desires will change. The questions that arise to them uh, on a spiritual level will change. Everybody's different. And and hence, uh, wise teachers like Vivekananda, who you quoted, because I quoted him, uh, have acknowledged that and recognized that and cautioned against following a spiritual path or uh, teaching or lineage or whatever, that is not right for you because you're conforming to what's expected or because someone you admire you know, is on that path. We have to have a, a sense of what's right for us intuitively, use our minds, use our sense of discernment, and... Uh, Find our own way along this. It's a, it's a kind of paradox. We need uh, spiritual companions. We like to belong to groups and organizations. There's comfort in that. There's great learning and wisdom in being part of a tradition. At the same time, we have to honor our own individuality and be true to it. Otherwise, just to go back to the title of your your program, you're not and you're not living authentically. Yeah. And so yeah. the uh, the individuality um, is terribly important. So my, my orientation in writing spiritual practice for crazy times was to give people a huge, you know, a variety of practices and um, teachings to draw from and to adapt it uh, according to their own needs and their own uh, pathways and their own circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of it, but Thomas More wrote a book called A Religion of One's Own, and and, uh, and he talked about people doing that same thing, being able to find that place within religion where they can be true to themselves. 
uh, I, I, we we only have like just a few minutes before break, but if, if we can get started, we'll we'll finish after the break if we need to. But I want to know how do we know how to trust our own path? Because yeah. we've got so many people outside of us. We've got. I think there's a a myth in the Western culture that says that we're supposed to trust external authorities and not trust internal authorities. And and yeah. so we look out there for, for information instead of looking inside for information. And so that means we, it's hard for us to trust our own past. So how do we begin to do that? Well, it, there's a balance. Um, as I said before, it's almost paradoxical. We all need help. We all turn to people who know things we don't. And there are spiritual experts. I know things many people don't. And so I'm, in that context, something of a teacher. In turn, I'm a student of, you know, wise people who know more than I do about things. I'm constantly learning and drawing from other, other sources. So we have to, you know, having teachers, having authorities is, is an important part of the path, but you have to choose them properly and you have to, and you shouldn't just trust them blindly. We have to find the right balance between being open to uh, input and learn, you know, sources of learning, and also being discerning and and questioning and uh, even skeptical if necessary. On uh, you know, we have to balance these things. We don't want to close ourselves off, and we don't only want to trust our own intuition and our own feelings without also uh, looking outside of ourselves for you know, information that can help us and help us carve our own path. It's said, you know, in the East where the guru tradition is, um, the best gurus turn you toward the guru within you. Good. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll come back right after this for some more from Philip Goldberg. You don't want to miss the last part of this. We've got some more really good things to talk about. Be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Many people don't like to talk about death, but like it or not, it's going to happen to you, me, your loved ones, and everyone. It's best to ask the important questions sooner than later. That's where inspiring end-of-life conversations with host Nina Impala can help. We cover all of the important questions, including aging loved ones, cancer, Losing a child, hospice, pets, and messages left by our loved ones. Tune in Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel the white house doctor makes house calls 
Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Phil Goldberg on Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, his latest book. And we were talking just before the break about how we know how to trust our own path. And I want to do just a little bit more with that, Phil, um, because I, I, I think there's some... Well, you you referenced the balance that we need, and we, you're absolutely correct. I think we need we do need some external people and some and some internal. But where do we go to know that that internal is speaking to us? I, I I've said earlier that I consider spirituality and uh, spiritual practice to be uh, you know an eminently practical aspect of life, and you could easily take. You could take the course of faith and just do what, you know, you're supposed to believe in and follow a particular path. But you can also do both, you can do both, or you can treat it as, uh, in a more scientific way. That is, by evaluating the path you're on, the decisions you make, the practices you take up, the things you're uh, inquiring about, considering, believing in, the teachers you're involved in. You can, all aspects of, of the spiritual life can be uh, evaluated as if they were, as if you were doing an experiment. So, overall, your spiritual life should lead to more calmness, more compassion, more love, more uh, harmony with your surroundings and the other people in your life. And if it's not, then maybe it's time to adjust Mm. and, you know, try something else. Reconsider this. Call something into question explore something else find a you know different methods to me one of the critical factors and it brings us back to uh, the subject of my book spiritual practice for crazy times one of the things i was looking for in my own early spiritual days and is still to me a kind of hallmark 
to uh, you know a barometer of how I'm doing in my spiritual life, and it, it applies especially when things are difficult in the in our outer lives. And that is having some degree of inner stability and peace and calm, even in the midst of chaos and clamor and trouble and uh, challenge. And I always think of it, because this is promised in the spiritual traditions, Mm -hmm. uh, in the... uh, literature of the East, in the Bhagavad Gita, it, it, it promises equanimity, that is, inner stability, inner calm, in pleasure and pain, in victory and defeat, in gain and loss. So whatever, you know, whether things are good, things are bad, we can have some equanimity, some inner peace, some groundedness and stability. And we know this. Because there are times when we'll get thrown off balance and we're overwhelmed and uh, we lose it. And other times you might be in the midst of difficulties and retaining some inner calm, inner peace, enough to think clearly, enough to make a right decision. And the more we can do that, the better off we are especially when things are difficult. I always think of it, you know, in very real terms. Uh, you, you look at sports. When the pressure's on, the game's on the line, and there's all this tension, the, the athletes we admire most are the ones who keep their cool. They're the ones you want to have the ball when, <laughs> when, when, it, when you need it. They retain some level of inner calm and still are able to uh, engage with, you know, dynamically with energy and skill. And, but the same is true. You want firefighters like that. You want police officers like that. You want soldiers like that. You want doctors and nurses like that. And even the average person, when something upsetting happens, traffic accidents, a child, you know, is is hurt or upset, uh, you know, whatever it may be in life, you know, they, the news, <laughs> things are upsetting. You want to be able to retain some calmness in the midst of it so you act more effectively and, and with greater clarity and greater compassion and greater awareness. And when you lose it, as I still do, even after you know fifty years of meditating and cultivating and teaching others, I lose it sometimes. Just ask my wife. <laughs> but I come back to it much more quickly. I come back to some calm. I come back to some stability. I recover. I'm more resilient than I would have been without my spiritual practices, and certainly. Uh, m- more effectively than I, w- I would have, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And that, to me, is one measure that you're moving in the right direction, that you're, you're, the practices you're doing work for you, that you are able, no matter what's going on out there, to retain some inner peace or return to it more quickly, more effectively through practices or just intention or what have you. And the other thing is, are you besieged by 
feelings of doubt and and you know that something you're following isn't quite right you know that intuitive sense that maybe I should question this maybe I I need to you know and not to be and to not be afraid to ask those questions uh, there's you know sometimes people following a, a particular path or a teacher or a tradition they start to have questions and doubts and they think there's something wrong with them or they think they'll be ostracized if they bring it up you know to their fellow travelers or a teacher or, or minister or whoever we have to have the courage of you know to face those doubts and and many of the great spiritual teachers in every tradition um, have always said faith is important but Honoring your doubts, honoring the questions you come up, and and digging in is important in in living a life of faith. Because if if you deny it, if you re, if you don't let yourself entertain those doubts, they'll gnaw away at you anyway. And often it's by going through that, questioning, asking the right questions, learning new things, that your faith is actually strengthened. Or it takes a slightly different direction. So that's why I think it's so important to look at our own inner experience and and be, uh, well, you know, to be authentic, as as you would say. You know, authentic living means you know it, it, <laughs> being true to your individual self, and that will you know feed your cultivation of the higher self as well. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So we are often taught, actually, uh, in this Western world, we're often taught that being needing to explode or needing to be angry or, or whatever is uh, not very spiritual. And you told a story yeah. of a man who profaned the name of God in an Indian village. I wonder if you would mind telling <laughs> that story now. I love that story. Okay. Yeah, and I want to point out to, you know, to your listeners who... Um, uh, are, are uh, biblically oriented, that if you take a good fresh look at the book of Job, mm-hmm. you'll see that Job, one of the reasons he's rewarded is he gets angry at God, and he tells God what he thinks. That's right. And he doesn't hold back. And and he's, in the end, rewarded for that. So the, the story uh, you just brought up is a, about a village in India. It could be anywhere, really, but... Um, and there's a, a man that everybody thinks is uh, crazy because he's always, you know, yelling at God and, and the gods and, you know, complaining and everything. And they, you know, they sort of avoid him. And one day he goes up on the roof of the temple and says, I, you know, announces that he's about to die and he's going to give up the ghost, as they say. And he does. He just dies there. And suddenly there's this chorus of celestial, beautiful music resounds in, th- in the atmosphere. And all the villagers are wondering, what's going on here? Is anybody playing music? No one's playing music. And they go to the local uh, spiritual authority, the, the guru, the priest, whatever. And they say, what is that? You know, heavenly music, and they and he's, the, the teacher says, "Yes, that's the angels welcoming that 
person who just died on the temple roof to their company. And they said, but why would he, that man, be welcomed in the heavens when all he did all the time was complain about God? And the teacher says, if you thought of God one hundredth of the time he did, you too will be welcome in in the heavens. So it's a great lesson in, you know, not suppressing our doubts and our anger or our uh, worries, our concerns. Uh, you know, God can handle it. And so can, you know, our friends and our spiritual uh, leaders and teachers and so forth. If you suppress it, it's just going to, you know, come out in some other way. And there's there's effective ways of expressing our concerns and inquiring, you know, this doesn't make sense to me. And you've taught, you know, this teaching, you know, what is... And, and also, you know, just anger at the conditions of the world and the people doing harm to others. It, th- these are authentic feelings, and we shouldn't suppress them because, oh, we're spiritual and we shouldn't feel this way. What we can do is recognize that the anger is there. It's coming up. There's a reason for it. And then return to a calmer state and say, How, what can I do with this feeling? Being full of rage, you know, can lead you to say and do things you later regret. But recognizing the rage and then say, okay, there's something I need to attend to here. There's something wrong. Can What can I do about it? How can I make things better? You know, is there anything I can do? That's a, a reasonable way to um, channel that anger. And if you look at all the great spiritual activists of the world, that's what they did. They were angry, but they didn't act in rage. They were strategic. They were calm. They did smart and wise things, and they were aided by their spiritual practices to channel, you know, anger into sort of a moral ra- outrage or indignation that can lead to good things in the world. Yes. Yes, indeed. And, I, you know, you also speak about feeling your feelings without resistance, and I think that's kind of what you mean, that we're, we're really supposed to be present with our feelings, not try to send them away. And so much of what we get in the Western world is telling us to send our feelings away. And to not attend yes. to them, not, you know, to not m- validate them in any kind of way. So this has been uh, truly a wonderful experience talking with you today, Phil. And I, I've really enjoyed it. And I'm sure that our listening audience has gained a lot of perspective from what you've said. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it was a pleasure, Andrea. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're going to come back again next week. So you want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 